Just Means Less, a podcast featuring the South's two favorite sons. Robert Woods, touchdown! to have an elaborate koi fish pond by the time he's dead, and the other just wants to sip sweet tea in the grove. Here's your host, John Boudreau and Cole Woods. Hello and welcome to yet another podcast, It Just Means Less. My name is John Boudreau, joined from the other side of Pearland, it's Cole Miss. What's going on? Oh, doing good, doing good. Uh, two more weeks, I'll move to the Heights. So, should be uh, should be interesting, interesting season coming up. And finally, oh, yeah. got some baseball back. So, oh yeah, dude. Tonight we have uh, Mar- no, I almost said Mariners, not the Chaz Mariners. It is the uh, the Washington Nationals versus the New York Yankees in D.C. Oh, 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 man, Fauci throwing out the first pitch. So, uh, shout out to Dr. Fauci. Absolutely. Um, and, and so I thought I'd introduce our uh, our guest. We have Mr. They ain't played nobody, Paul Gallant on as our guest, all the way from, from Chaz City. What's going on, Paul? I'm doing all right, Cole. John, good to see you guys. It's been a while. Yes. I'm doing all right. No one has broken into my place <laughs> and graffitied it yet. I live five blocks away from where the Chaz was. It actually was within walking distance. I walked through it a couple of times because I was bored. I did not <laughs> die, as you can tell. And hopefully there's no more Chazzes, but you never know because I Chaz became the job. Did, did the Chaz go away? It's I've, gone. I, okay. But people are still mad, and I think it's a product of everyone that's dealing with all sorts of different situations with COVID-19, putting people out of work. And obviously, there are a lot of people who are frustrated with a lot of things going on mm-hmm. in our country forever. Yeah. So they're lashing out. It's unfortunate that I'm right nearby. It seems like unproductive looting and vandalism that seems to be taking place every single day but hasn't happened to me so i guess i don't care that much oh my goodness well hey we're glad that you are safe and uh yes absolutely you you haven't uh you know been victimized right (laughs) or or anything of that sort uh geez well hey we're gonna get into some quick rapid fire questions paul everyone knows uh, not everyone knows a few of us know that you used to work here in Houston. Now you're in Seattle. You've moved on to like a really big program over there and you get to be at the flagship home of the Seahawks. Am I correct? Yes, Seahawks and the Mariners. Mariners baseball, yeah. baby, starting tomorrow. Get excited. The rebuild begins. <laughs> oh my God. Yes, sir. <laughs> Moving on. And, and, and Nelson Cruz, we trust. <laughs> <laughs> that big fat Nelson Cruz contract, man. That's almost like, I almost feel that's like pseudo Albert Pujols esque as of now. Got to give them credit, though. I mean, they've they've been great at dumping bad contracts. They dumped that Robinson Cano contract. That's true. On oh, the mess. Took that one. Uh, that one coming from the Yankees, man. He was just getting paid out the wazoo. <laughs> oh, man. And now look at old Mookie Betts, 13 or 12 years for 365 mil. Good googly moogly. It's one of those deals where you know down the road there's going to be some serious. Oh, bets. yeah. Just think of all the contracts that are in baseball right now that are just dumb. But with Chris, Chris are, Davis. Chris Davis. Uh, Joey Vaughn. Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury still getting paid by the Yankees. Um, Pujols, as you mentioned. And he hasn't done anything ever. Right. Exactly. Maybe. My bad. Excuse me. Bobby, like, Bobby for a couple Bonilla. Seasons, for a couple seasons. You know, that's true. Bobby Bonilla is still getting paid. But <laughs> rate. Uh, David Price, I don't think he's worth what he's been getting paid of late. Pablo Sandoval's last contract before it just ended. No, man, he ate ate his contract in dumplings. Let's just be honest. (laughs) That man showed up looking like Dusty Baker to to what was spring training. China food's pretty good. Just ask Eddie Lacy. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh man! Wow. Well, hey, let's let's get into some uh, let's get into some rapid fire questions. Paul, what is your favorite order at Chick Fil A? Okay, so it used to always be the number one with no pickles, and you supersize it so you get the large. When I first started going to Chick Fil A, going to high school in St. Pete, Florida, we had one right next door. 
The reason that I liked Chick-fil-A was not the chicken sandwiches, which were awesome or the great service. Mm-hmm. It was because it was the only place that served fast food that also served vanilla Coke. Vanilla Ooh. Coke is oh. like crack to me. I am obsessed with it. Really? Yes, it is my favorite soda. Mm-hmm. It is my favorite non-alcoholic drink. I don't know why. It's something I started drinking in, I think, middle school. And it was one of the things when I would go over to my dad's house when he and my mother uh, were separated and eventually divorced, he had like a two liter of vanilla Coke waiting for me every weekend. And I destroyed that every, I'd be (laughs) playing Xbox, just destroying two liters of vanilla Coke. So that was my original uh, combo at Chick-fil-A. But I have progressed. Now what I do, I don't do the fries anymore because I'm trying to watch the figure. I'm sad. The fries are great. I get the spicy chicken sandwich. I leave the pickles in. And I think that the best way to compliment, um, along with the fruit cup, a spicy chicken sandwich <laughs> is sweet tea. So I get sweet okay. tea, uh, spicy chicken sandwich. The problem is now, guys, you know, when I was in Houston, I lived within a mile of two Chick-fil-A's. The nearest Chick-fil-A to me is not even in Seattle proper. I got to go all the way to Bellevue. It's like a 20-minute drive. Really? Whenever I go to Bellevue, I stop at Chick-fil-A, which included uh, last weekend when I went to Best Buy. I know I still did that too. People still go there. And then I got Chick-fil-A on the way back. Mm, man. Nice. Man, I was I was about to say, how is how is Chick-fil-A perceived up in Seattle? Because I know Probably it's a, not it's, well. I know it's, I know it's a different well. environment. Listen, those dead chicken don't have any politics except for <laughs> desire to be in my stomach. <laughs> That's awesome. That's good. Yeah, my well, mom's yelling at me, telling me to go get the groceries. That ain't happening right now. I love you, mom. <laughs> Trying to move out, folks. That's the goal. But yeah, so let's see. Cole, Cole, a- ask this boy what we love about the SEC. What, what's his favorite team in the SEC? What's your favorite school in the SEC, Paul? Gator Chomp right Let's now. Go, Gators. Come on, Gators. Get up and go. Hang on. Let me grab a prop. Here's my helmet. So I grew up in Massachusetts. I don't know why I picked the Florida Gators. I think it was because I watched them get absolutely sculled by Nebraska in a national championship. It was one of the first football games I think I ever watched. I don't have a great memory of the game except for I cried afterwards. So I like their uniforms. They won the national title the next year. And mm-hmm. in Massachusetts, you know, everyone gravitates to a random football team that's actually good because there are none in the college. <laughs> no one's going to sit party. there and you know, cheer for UMass. Right. No yeah. one's doing UMass and Boston College is like kind of yeah. well, sometimes you like them, but the people that go there are insufferable. It's like, no, you didn't get into an Ivy League. Calm down. Um, so <laughs> those people uh, make it a little bit difficult to root for them. Though every now and then you do, especially when they play Notre Dame. But uh, Florida was the team that I chose. Dang. Well, hey, that is fantastic. And how fitting that our topic today is the Florida Gator teams from 2006 to 2010, Urban Meyer and his madness. A couple things from that, that period. One, CC back then, um, it was good. It wasn't as good as it is today, but there was a lot more parity back then. You know, like there wasn't Alabama winning every single year. It wasn't, the, the question wasn't if their quarterback gets hurt, if Alabama's quarterback gets hurt, who wins a conference? It was literally who wins the conference. And it was four or five different teams that could win it. And there are probably about five teams out that could win it. And then six through 10 could also be, was kind of up in the air as well. Vanderbilt mm-hmm. always pegged for 12th. But uh, usually Ole Miss, that's Coach O is our coach. He would have been 11th. But, <laughs> Anchor uh, down. Vanderbilt. Yes, sir. But uh, yeah, there was that was a fun time back then, and uh, Florida made Florida made a whole lot of fun with. They were they were a really good team, but they weren't the dominant team like LSU was last year, where it made the, the whole season no fun. Right. Florida has a really good teams that won a lot of close games, which made the conference season so much fun to watch. I miss those Florida teams. It's hard for me to watch Florida football now. I have been one of the most spoiled sports fans ever because I grew up in Massachusetts too, so I like all those teams. And the Mm. football team that I picked in high school, I mean, Florida was awesome. So I moved down to Florida when I was 14, and I lived there uh, in St. Petersburg take over Chris Leak was his number one guy he was the quarterback as a freshman there and I liked Chris Leak a lot when he first came onto the scene and Zook was frustrating and I remember this game vividly and I forget what year he ended up getting canned but Florida was up I want to say with about four minutes left they get the ball back or you're used to a career this is a 10-win team every year they're probably always had their but when Zook you're like, okay, all of a sudden going in another direction. So then they bring in Urban Meyer, and 
I'm pretty sure no one had any idea what was going to come next. What came next was a lot of talent, a lot of BS off the field that was <laughs> overlooked. Let's just say that. And one of the most talented programs that I've ever seen. And I mean, it all started. I remember going to the only other game I went to for a Florida game. It was Florida, Central Florida, 2006. I was a senior in high school. And this was going to win a national title. And I just remember Percy Harvin absolutely murdering Central Florida. And I had no idea who he was. He was wearing number eight then. And that was just the start. And the next three to four years, you see Tebow, you see everyone. Man, it was, it was a fun time, and I miss it, especially when I'm watching idiots like Felipe Franks play quarterback. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of people forget this. And it, you know, people who are – anyone younger than me definitely forgets this. But Ron Zook, they were compared to run it back with Ron Zook. But he lost to Mississippi State the year before. Mm -hmm. And Mississippi State, this is not your, you know, the Dan Mullen Mississippi State team. This was when Sylvester Croom was their coach, and they were horrible. Yeah. And my dad tells a story. He was at Papa's Burgers. He was working on a Saturday, went to Papa's Burgers for lunch, and um, he had heard a story. I mean, maybe it was for dinner. He, had, he wasn't there to see this, but he had heard from the manager at the restaurant a story that this guy was a Florida fan at the game, was so angry after they lost, he grabbed the TV. So back then, they didn't have you know, big flash screens. Took it across the street to the, uh, to the hotel pool and threw it in the pool. That's how bad the guy was. And said, uh -huh. you can charge me whatever you want for this. That was worth $200 I'm about to spend. Well, look, I, losing to Mississippi State, it's still something that's hard to take, right? Right. They're the school in the conference that, no offense to Mississippi State people, but you're banging the cowbells and you, you, you kind of are struck as like the poor school. And mm -hmm. I, again, I know that there are some other things that go into that and it's demographics deals. All I know is that when I see Mississippi State, I see like, all right, there's the farmers and <laughs> here they are. They don't have the resources that Florida or Alabama, even Tennessee, and they're delusional fans. Like those programs just have a ton of money, and you expect them to be competitive every single year, except for Tennessee, which is hilarious. <laughs> and if you lose to someone like that, especially then, before Dak Prescott and, and, and before the little mini oh. runs that they went on, yeah, yeah, it's not a good look. And, and I mean, Zook did a great job recruiting, and Zook, Continued to recruit pretty well when he was at Illinois. But oh, he took, he took Illinois to the Rose Bowl. Right. I mean, I remember, Illinois never goes near the Rose Bowl, and they haven't been since. And I remember they landed, like, Aurelius Ben, the number one recruit in the country. I mean, I don't know yeah. if he's great with his money or something like that <laughs> and dropping bags on people's doorsteps. But, um, yeah, Mendenhall, then uh, Rashard yeah, Mendenhall, too. Mendenhall, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are but, some teams. But, uh, yeah, Zook, I, I was very glad when Zook got pushed out. So right, guys, I'm, I'm back. I had to run downstairs. No worries, dude. So, Urban Meyer is at Utah. He wins the, the Fiesta Bowl with Alex Smith as a quarterback. And he's, he's the hot name. He's the – for those of y'all who are, didn't follow college football back then, the way Tom Herman was courted in 2016 is the way uh, Urban Meyer was courted back then. Uh, I'm not saying they're equivalent on how good a coach they are, but in terms of how they were chased by Power 5 schools, yeah, they were he, – he was uh, the, hot, the hot girl at the bar who can – Go home with whoever whoever she wants. Um, or she can go home alone and just be quite content. Right. So Notre Dame fires Tyrone Willingham, who had who had taken them to BCS bowls almost every year, and hopes to get Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer is leaning towards going to uh, to Notre Dame, but he says he was something about he wanted them to join a conference, and they weren't going to do that. And then he wanted uh, flexibility with academics that they weren't willing to do. And so he goes to Florida. Yeah, academics, I say in air quotes. Uh, so he heads, heads off to Florida. And, John, we can't hear you. But uh, It's all good. But uh, he heads off to Florida. It was very, very unexpected. At the time, this is Notre Dame that we see today that's very, like, I don't want to say mediocre, but has fallen on, on the hard times. Notre Dame was at the top of the, top of the heat back. And they're kind of what Georgia is now. Think of it that way. Yeah. And so no one saw this coming. And so the, the fact that he even got Dan uh, – um, Urban Meyer is almost kind of a miracle in and of itself. Yeah, and it, it's it's weird. I mean, he was a hot coaching commodity, but you looked at him and you're like, and you think to yourself, okay, this is 
this is the Bowling Green dude. To go from Bowling Green to Utah and then to Florida, it's a big jump. And obviously, um, it wasn't too long ago where we saw Jim McElwain come in with a 2A program that, you know, had been built up. Maybe not the same that it was under Urban Meyer, but he comes from Colorado State and, like, clearly didn't have it. So for Urban to come down from Utah and not have the same base that he does in, in, you know, in the Midwest, in Ohio, and to succeed in Florida, that's difficult. I mean, Florida, I, I would argue, and it's mainly because I played high school football there. I, I think Florida is the best high school football in the, in the country. I know some people in Texas will disagree with that, and you're totally entitled to that. I just think that we play at a different speed. Everyone in Florida is fast, even the fat guys. Everyone is fast down there. And he comes down there, and, and, and he figures out who's good very quickly. And, you know, that's, that's a big part of it, obviously, in the SEC. You need to recruit. That's why Alabama and LSU are just wagons, and they don't seem like they're going to fall off anytime soon. Every single year, they are just getting everybody. And that's why it's so hard for Florida to get back there. But what Urban Meyer was able to do from the jump, it, it really is impressive. And it's, I think – up there as far as coaching jobs with guys that are from outside of the area and don't necessarily have ties to the program because it is not easy to make them, you know, to, to win the hearts and minds of like boosters and all that when you're first coming into a program, let alone actually dominate in recruiting. And he did both of those things. Absolutely. So it was, that, that, that was a lot of people just forget about that. I had to bring that up just because a lot of people who didn't follow comfortable back then, they have been a little bit younger I mean, I barely remember. I was probably in fifth grade when this happened. And so people younger than me definitely don't remember. So I wanted to bring that up for our listeners who didn't follow college football that close. I think Herman's a great comparison. You know, yeah. it, it's and, – and, you know, Herman Herman was doing it at a bigger program. I mean, he was doing it at the University of Houston. I I, 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 I know that for, for Utah back then um, – I think that was before they – were they in the Mountain West or were they – they were in the Mountain West back then, no. correct? Yeah, they're in okay. the Mountain West. So, so, again, like a smaller conference, but, you know, with, with University of Houston, okay, there was talks of them actually getting added into one of those big conferences as that was all happening. And you're still in the middle of Texas. I would imagine for anyone who's, like, at Florida, there had to have been a lot of people at first that were like, why the hell are we bringing this guy in? Snoop yeah. Dogg. Who? Yeah. Who? This guy. What is, what's a ute? Most people in Florida probably ask. I, I just don't even know what a ute is. It's a good question. I'm assuming that it has to do. I think is it is it a Native American tribe? Oh, I thought it was um, just if, maybe like. If a, so, they'd be canceled by now. So no, instead of Utahians, I thought it was just Utes. Utes, the Utes, the Utes. The Ute, the Ute is on fire. <laughs> nice dad joke. Oh, yes, uh, Ute people are Aboriginals of the Ute tribe and culture, and oh. are among the Great Basin classification of indigenous people they have lived in the regions of present-day utah and colorado for centuries in addition to their home regions within colorado and utah their hunting grounds extended into wyoming oklahoma arizona and new mexico interesting the more you know yeah never know what you're gonna someone to on this this year podcast brought to you by paul gallant via seattle <laughs> Jazzland, r us the chop get it right what is it called the chop they changed names they rebranded to the chop i i don't i don't know why there was a guy named Roz who was in charge of the Chaz. sounded a lot like Raz al ghul i don't know if there was a bane that took over to make it the, the chop but uh well honestly i mean like the Chaz does look like uh you know gotham city if we're gonna be quite honest yeah well, if the, when the joker took over yes yes right. exactly yeah that's it Oh man! Well, hey, let's 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 dive more into this Florida team because the 2006 through you know the 2010 years, like you know the Tebow years, were just we'd never really seen any. I guess you could say an electricity around one particular player. They got so much of the spotlight where it felt like the foundation that the team was built on was essentially in shambles and and when we go back and we we look we look at the you know the players that were on that team and we think of you know Brandon Spikes we think of you know the Pouncy twins like that alone is already crazy think we 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 have two gangbangers and playing playing center and you know left tackle or right tackle and then you know we have Tim Tebow and old Cameron Newton backing them up 
th- th- this is an absolutely wild place to be. Yeah. I mean, they're loaded. Aaron Hernandez is there. Um, was Jordan Reed there at the time? No, he's after. He's a little, okay. He's after. Okay. It's like 10 to 12. Percy Harvin, you have all sorts of wide receivers and, and the names blend together over that stretch to a point where Cole, I'm probably going to, you know, look at them and, go, and I'll say to myself, was that guy there in 11? Was he there in 12? Was he there in 09? <laughs> there in 08? The guy oh, yeah, no, I, so I many that. names that you remember that come out that went straight into the NFL that were getting drafted. Jermaine Cunningham gets drafted. That was a little bit later. Um, and Dallas Baker, the touchdown maker. Dallas Baker, the touchdown maker. Yes, I remember what him. Absolutely. That was a, that touchdown call we heard a lot. Um, Caldwell. It was it was Riley stacked. Cooper. Riley. Yeah, you're right, Riley Cooper. <laughs> don't forget about Don't forget about Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden actually had a fairly decent NFL career with the Browns. You know, I think he had one Pro Bowl. They Maybe they two? brought in they brought in some really really good talent. And they also were able to make it work. You know, that's one of the things you take a look at LSU. LSU has always frustrated me on the outside looking in because you know that they're always one of the most talented programs in college football. But for whatever reason, the results never happened the way that they should have on the field under Les Miles. And finally, they get the national title with, with Ed Orgeron. Well, I got, well, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I did not expect a whole lot out of – I love Ed Orgeron now, but I did not expect much out of him when he first – Oh, me neither. Took over. Right. And, and, and he was able to finally get that talent to actually win a championship. Because I remember there was a team what, – what did they have? They, they had Zach Menberger at quarterback, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, a couple of guys who ended up going into the NFL at running back to – Jeremy and, Hill, Alfred Blue, yeah, uh, Stephen like, Hilliard. Right, and there's like a seven or eight win team, and 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 you're thinking to yourself, how do they have this much talent, and yet they're not able to make it work? But Urban Meyer was able to bring in all that talent. He was able to corral that talent to a point, or corral the <laughs> the the Gainesville surrounding area to a point where those guys could get away with a lot of things, and the success was unbelievable. And I remember where I was when. I heard that Urban was stepping down. I did not think that it would all of a sudden go back to where Florida's gone back to. And it's not to say that they've become irrelevant or anything like that. I think they're no. sort of in the same realm as Michigan, where there are expectations that the program is now going to have forever because of something that took place now a good amount of time ago. And it might be unrealistic to ever get back to that point, just given how it seems like recruiting has globalized a little bit and now everyone's starting to pull from Florida. It's not just Florida and Florida state that are picking from their backyard anymore, but Meyer did a great job, man. And I, I wonder what would have happened if he decided to stay. Would, yes. would Nick Saban have taken over the way that he has and, and, and all that? I, 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 I do wonder, because obviously Alabama was on the rise at that point in time, especially at the very end, and you get the national – excuse me, the SEC championship game with Tebow crying. <laughs> well, yeah, Paul, you mentioned LSU, and you're finally running a modernized kind of offense, and that was what uh, Urban Meyer brought to the SEC. A lot of people don't remember this. The yeah. SEC had little to no um, spread out offenses. There may have been a couple times it was tried – but it was always the first – it was kind of one of those things where they would – coaches will say, I'll implement this spread offense. But the moment, like, one thing went wrong, it's a natural human tendency to go back to what you're comfortable with. So when, when things go wrong, you, you grabbed what you, what you know best, which is why a lot of people didn't believe Ed Orgeron. It's because they thought the moment he, something goes wrong with this new up-tempo offense, he's going to grab control. And to his ever-loving credit, he didn't. But, you know, back then, the SEC – Hardly anyone had ever tried this up-tempo spread offense. It's kind of an arrogance among Southerners when they say, oh, that Pac-12 crap, that don't work down here, man. They don't play nobody. That Mike Leach, razzle-dazzle offense, man, they ain't going to play that here in the SEC. We play real football, smash mouth here in the SEC. We're going to run over, and we're going to stomp you at the line of scrimmage. And all these yes, sir. West Coast libs, they can't do damn thing in our conference. They can take all this cockamamie BS, shenanigans, razzle-dazzle, junk of Dubai, get it out of here. But you're right, and it, it worked. I, I, I was surprised by it, too. Again, like all of these things that Meyer brought in, you thought to yourself, like, 
how, how is this going to work? Because the SEC, you're right. It was like, oh, well, in the SEC, you have to run the football a lot. And in the yep. SEC, there is no way that a quarterback is going to come out of that conference and actually be someone that in the NFL <laughs> inspires any fear. It's not to say that Tebow really did that, but the conference started to change, I think, from that perspective too, where you actually had quarterbacks that were scary coming out of it instead of just running backs who were awesome. Oh, and, you, and, and I think the next step toward bringing that spread offense of the SEC really took over when uh, Mullen left to go Mississippi State. And people saw, okay, if they can win nine games a year with Chris Relf playing quarterback, dude, he can, you know, we, we got to try. Whatever he's doing, we got to try that. And it took some people a long time to go. Bobby Petrino brought it with him. And then obviously when Cliff Kingsbury is the coordinator for Sumlin in 2012, that you bring it in with a and And then by 2014 or 15, everybody except for LSU and Arkansas had have brought it and so um and, and so yeah so it, but back then the SEC was that arrogant we're not going to play we're going to play a real traditional football here and Urban Meyer to his ever-loving credit you know that's that's what, that's, that's part of the reason why they won not yeah. only did they have good talent they were revolutionary in the way they ran the game and honestly if we're going to be we're going to be honest Bill O'Brien ran the exact same offense when he showed up as a Houston Texas head coach run 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 with Alfred Blue and then take a shot downfield we're going to be completely honest it was the exact same offense the less miles two tight ends sent all right we're going to run it to the right there you go end of story I don't entirely blame him with the quarterbacks that they had at first though because Fitzy wasn't the best choice at first let's just be honest you start off with Fitzpatrick, you go to, after Fitzpatrick, Ryan Mallett for a couple of games. I remember actually seeing that game that Mallett had against the Browns, I think, and I was like, oh, there might be something here. Then he, then he didn't hurt. wake up at all. He didn't right. wake up. Well, that, that was the next year. It, it, wake and then, up. Yeah, yeah. So you have two quarterbacks that year, then Case Keenum ends up finishing the year because Fitzpatrick's face got smashed. Or something. And I Savage, Savage got – they both got hurt against the Colts that day. Savage was – Yeah, good. you're right. Yeah, Savage. I forgot there was a little bit of Savage that year. So then after that, you go on to the next season and all those other quarterbacks. Like, I got why Bill O'Brien did things the way that he did at first. Yeah. So, so Paul, do you – I'll ask you this. On to the 2007 Florida team. I guess we'll, we'll talk real quick. Do you – what are your memories of the 06 national championship run that they went on being Ohio State? What's kind of your memories from that season? It was fun. I mean, I, I, was, I was in high school. It was my senior year. And there was a while where I wanted to go to Florida. And that year I decided I was going to go to Syracuse instead because it had better uh, broadcasting school. But I remember watching the national title. We watched it in the um, street, actually, uh, in, in St. Pete, Florida, my – my um, neighbors who also happened to go to my school had a party um, with an outdoor garage and they had up on a big, big um, tarp screen, the national championship game. And I remember just from the start, it, it, it almost felt like it wasn't in doubt. And I know that it was Ted Ginn who had the kickoff return for a touchdown for Ohio state. And you thought, okay, well maybe Ohio state's got the same kind of legs as Florida, but then the game goes on and it was just, it was like two different worlds. Florida was just so much faster than, than Ohio State. And I just remember thinking to myself, like every single SEC fan in that moment, like – We got it in the bag. Yeah, well, not just that. Like, like the Big Ten, are you serious? And I remember I ha- I've had since then a massive bias against the Big Ten. Now, to Ohio State's credit, because of Urban Meyer, Ohio State is like separate from the Big Ten. Yes. But the rest of the Big Ten's just a bunch of slow, plodding clonkers. And mm-hmm. I, I still feel that everyone in the SEC can just outrun them. But in 2006, I felt like it was never more clear the gap between the SEC, specifically Florida, and everyone else. I didn't know that Florida was going to go on the run that they were the next couple of years. And obviously the next year was Tebow's Heisman season. And then the year after that was when they beat Oklahoma in the national title. But 06 was a lot of fun. It really was. I, I remember the LSU game. My dad was actually in town. Um, and I remember we watched it on a hotel television, the game where Tebow did the running uh, touchdown pass at the one-yard mm-hmm. line, like a jump basketball pass. play. Yeah, the right. jump pass. And that, that was the other fun thing, too. Like, he, he, they, they were going back and forth between two quarterbacks, and everyone liked Chris Leak, but Tebow just got everyone super, super excited. And he performed. He delivered so early on 
that the expectations for him the next year were sky high and, and they were sky high on him already just having been recruited out of Nice and, and, and being the kind of player that he'd been in high school. You know, I think he played in a game on ESPN, one of the first games of the year uh, in 06 too. And I remember watching that because, you know, I, I was, I was a senior in high school that year and I was still playing. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, this guy's at the top. Um, it was a fun year, man. It was a fun year. That was, that was the first year that I got to see Florida win a title where I was like legitimately a fan who was football conscious of all of it. And just the amount of talent that they had was unfair. I mean, it was one of those things like you play the college football video game. No one's going to let you yes. play Florida with all the fast <laughs> guys they have. That's cheap. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you, you can't be them. I, I just remember that season. There was a lot of, so this was back before the playoff existed long before the playoff even existed. And they had still the BCS system. And there was a lot of talk about should Florida be in or should Michigan be in. Michigan and Ohio State, for those y'all don't remember, were undefeated going into the game with one versus two at, uh, in, uh, in, in, in Ohio State in Columbus. And so one versus two is a really good football game, back and forth game. Uh, Ohio State barely wins. They got the Heisman Trophy, which I think I still to this day I think Darren McFadden should have won, but that's another story. Yeah, Troy Smith wins the Heisman. out of here. Yeah, such a mediocre season. It's just... It wasn't mediocre, but it was just like, you know, like after that game took place, everything that had happened in the Big Ten, especially, you're right, I totally forgot about that Ohio State-Michigan thing. I was mad going yeah. into that game because everyone was like, oh, this is the biggest game ever. Why? Because there's hype of 100 bleeping years in this college football rivalry? Oh, congratulations. How about you play some big boys that actually can run? Well, and then people were saying that the loser of that game, like, like no matter who won the game, they yeah. should be a national championship game again. That was, that, that was the talk. I remember that. I remember it, was, that. it was no matter what happens, these two should play each other in a national championship game. Um, and I, I, I really strongly disagree with that sentiment. And also, another thing people forget about, back then, Ohio State and Michigan, because of tradition, I'm saying in air quotes, they played that game the week before Thanksgiving. So – so I always remember it was right. We'd be watching the game before we go to Ole Miss LSU game, uh, but anyway, we would. And so, then you have they didn't have a conference championship back then, and so they would go like fifty-five days without playing a game, and I think that really hurt. In hindsight, that definitely hurt Ohio State, and that's one of the reasons why the Big Big Ten now has a championship game, is because their teams were going fifty-five, fifty-eight days without playing a game. Hmm. That definitely could have been a factor. That's true. I don't, I'm not saying it would have mattered, but that's definitely not the smartest thing to do, to do if, you're, if you're a conference. That's a long time. In the yeah. week, Coming from the Ole Miss fan. Yeah. <laughs> so, Paul, do you remember 07 with uh, Cam Newton? Do you, remember, do you remember Cam Newton much at Florida? I don't remember Cam Newton at all. Did he not steal that laptop? I mean, I have no idea. But <laughs> well, we, the, know he, well he, we know he didn't sleep on a coach's couch. So Here's the only thing I know. If you're going to overlook some of the stuff that Aaron Hernandez was supposedly doing in Gainesville those days, you're really not you're you're gonna you're gonna punish Cam Newton. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna punish the six foot five, massive quarterback that you're hoping takes over after Tim Tebow. And honestly, ever ever since they kicked Cam Newton out, there has not been one quarterback that has. And I know that there were some guys along the way that were temporarily there. I think Jeff Driscoll is probably the best one, but he only played. Will, Will Greer. Will Greer. Excuse me. Will yeah, Greer. Will Greer. Will Greer. My bad. It was only for a little bit there. Yeah. And then he moves on. And, and, and I mean, that's the thing you, you, you look at, <laughs> you look at those lack of success at quarterbacks instead. I've never hated a quarterback the way that I hated Felipe Franks last year. <laughs> I, His hair alone makes me angry. What, 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 who was he playing? Was it, was it Miami the first game of the year where he's like yep, throwing yeah. interceptions and he's on the sideline like talking trash? And, and it's like, dude, calm down. You've thrown two interceptions in this game. You've played like absolute crap. He's not Baker Mayfield. He, he's not he, allowed he threw, to do that. He, he threw an interception when they could have run the clock out and he called an audible through a passing play. Awful. <laughs> Awful. Awful. And, I mean, that's rock bottom. And, honestly, I feel like that's because they couldn't overlook Cam Newton, allegedly, <laughs> picking up that laptop. But that's fair. I mean, all things that went on that year, like, like that, that, that's where you're drawing the line at is Cam Newton stealing the laptop. I mean, with, with, with Rainey and Demps, you're at running back. 
there are domestic charge, yeah. domestic assault yeah. charges, and yeah. uh, and also Aaron Hanna was doing. I don't know how in the world you go. Oh, my six-five athletic quarterback. No, 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 man. You can't steal laptops. They were they were gods on that campus, and it's funny that Florida fans we tend to make fun of Florida State, Florida State Penitentiary, Free Shoes University. You say all those things about Florida State, but Florida was just as bad, if not worse, than Florida State during that stretch. And, you know, when you leave and you get a little older and you realize the perspective that you may have needed, and then obviously you see all these stories that pop out, specifically about Aaron Hernandez. You're like, okay, they literally were getting away with almost murder. I mean, Aaron Hernandez, like, shot a dude in the eye or something like that. Yeah. And I don't remember anything happening. Covered it up, baby. And Pouncy Pouncy twins were still wearing those free Hernandez hats. Oh, God. That was so dumb. That was so dumb. Uh, This team, it it feels like it's the deep end of the swimming pool. You You really don't see how deep it is until you get into it. But it's like, oh, it looks pretty normal. You know, those old classic subdivision swimming pools. It's like everything looks nice and even on the top. But once you, you dive down, you're like, oh, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And then you're at the bottom with the little, the little sucky, sucky thing that gets all the algae out of there. And you're just like, yeah, I'm chilling around with the minnows and the filter. <laughs> it, 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 it's a dark hole. That, that, that team is a dark hole. What? what I read a stat in it. They had 41 arrests out of 100. No, 41 players have been arrested out of 121 players. So one third of the team had been arrested in the 2000 from the 2008 championship team, I believe. Jeez. That is wild. Wild. Sadly. Not, not even including all the arrests that come after when mo- many of those players enter the NFL. Sadly, it's one of those numbers, John. I hear it, and I'm like, that's it? <laughs> yeah, th- th- uh, yeah. There, could, there could easily be, you know, 60%, if we're going to be honest. They got away – they – I mean, I hate to say getting away with murder, but, I mean, they really were getting away with so much. And I, 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 wonder, I wonder how all of this would have gone if it were today. Like all of that stuff on social media, it would have gotten out. Snapchat no would have uh, been shut down. Mm. Barstool, yeah. Barstool, Barstool would have had a heyday. Barstool would have hit a Maybe page that. views would have, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, page <laughs> views for days. Yeah, Maybe. that might that might have put. You could have started a Barstool Florida right there. Maybe Florida Gainesville oh, is where it all starts. They already do have Especially Barstool like, for DMV. every single university. They have. Uh, they do not many barstool pages. Shout out, uh, blown up. I, I had no idea who they were at that at that point in time. And you know, I grew up in Massachusetts. I didn't find out about them until I was until 2009. I was uh, an intern at ESPN Radio Boston, and the person that I was interning for, Adam Jones, who does nights at 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston, he brought up the website. And and I remember this one of those websites that you would go to. There would only be a couple of blog posts a day, but it was one of those blogs where you just were you would keep on going back to it and pressing refresh, pressing refresh, pressing refresh yep. to see if something else got posted. Um, it, was a, it was a really funny local themed site. I had no idea that it would turn into what it's turned into. And it continues to get bigger and bigger. It's nuts. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty incredible how, you know, Portnoy is basically able to, you know, make all of his money through stocks and somehow be able to pay all of his writers. <laughs> he has a pretty big sized army of bloggers. And on top of that, Quite a few radio shows. They're basically glorified podcasts, but that's what they are. And, you know, much respect to him. I mean, if you're going to build anything and, you know, start off as a, a newspaper that would give out picks and then be able to develop into essentially a small media empire. Well done, sir. Well done. I, I've met him twice. They've been really quick encounters. The second encounter... I saw him again after he got kicked out of the Super Bowl in Atlanta. It was just me and him, and we were walking near each other. I wanted to come up to him and talk to him in, in, in further detail, but I also didn't want to blow him up, and I was sure that he was getting ready to do one of his press conferences after getting kicked out of the Super Bowl. But um, I know he's a very controversial figure to some, and I know that a lot of people, they look at Barstool and some of the things that are the commenters and all that stuff, and they and 
and they look at Dave in a different way. Because Dave has said some things that are definitely controversial, if not just bad. But in the two times that I met Dave, he was very friendly. He was very kind to me. And I respect the hell out of a guy who is able to turn what was actually a newspaper that he was hand delivering himself into what he has turned it into. It legitimately is the American dream. And it's, it's amazing what he's been able to do. Yeah. Random, random rant. My bad. No, you're good. All good. All good. What's up Cole? What you got on your brain hole? Do you, do you remember the much of the 08 teams? Uh, did, did, did you watch the, the 2008 Florida team with, with, uh, with much, much I memory? I was at Syracuse then for it. And I was a little bit more territorial because people looked at me and they're like, Oh, you're from Boston. Why do you like Florida? I was like, well, I mean, I went to high school in Florida and I always liked the Gators and it was one of those things where I wasn't, watching them with a lot of other people. I don't remember that team as well as I remember the others, but I do remember watching the uh, SEC championship um, that year. That was Arkansas, correct? Arkansas. Oh, 06 was Arkansas. 08 was Alabama. That's one of the best Oh, it was Alabama. You're right. My God. Awesome game. I can I confuse them together. It was it was a great game, and that one felt more like the national title because I remember thinking of Sam Bradford. Okay, Oklahoma. Like, SEC arrogance – it reached an entirely different level Absolutely. The of Florida kicking Ohio state's ass. And I think at that point I remember, and it was a close, it was a close game Florida mm-hmm. Oklahoma for a while. It was closer mm-hmm. than I thought it would end up being, but that 08 team is way more talented than the 06 team. And I, I remember, you know, when they lost to obviously Ole Miss and Tebow gives the speech. Yes, sir. People were so annoyed by Tebow at that point. Tebow fatigue had started to set in because Tebow was such a big deal. And then, obviously, the year before, Florida didn't really do anything. It was a down year for them. And then all of a sudden – Then he said he's coming back in 2009. Right, right. Yeah, and he came back, and, and then, obviously, that did not go according to plan in the SEC championship game. I remember that 08 game against Ole Miss. So that was my 14th birthday present. Yeah. Um, here, yeah, out here in Sugarland, we have a day called Fort Bend County Fair Day where we literally get like a, a made-up holiday for schools. And so my dad took me out to uh, Florida for Ole Miss Florida game that weekend. And we, we have this tradition in our family when, when we go to, go to an Ole Miss game, if they win, we go for steaks afterwards. And the day before, we're at a sports bar. My dad's fraternity brother goes, Bobby, why are you learning a steak today? We got to, to do that tomorrow when we win. And he goes, huh, Scott, we're not winning tomorrow. Are you crazy? We're going to get destroyed. <laughs> and somehow, I still don't know how Ole Miss won that game. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled over it. But that Ole Miss team was actually really good. A lot of untapped potential. Um, Coach O has beaten that team into the ground. But that, was, that, that team was full of a lot of talent. Dexter McCluster, Mike Wallace, Michael Lower, Jevin Sneed, Greg Hardy, and his – antics i mean that team was just loaded with, with talent yeah. and uh you saw it that day i was i'll never forget 14 year old cole bacon <laughs> in the sun one of the best games i've ever been to wider yeah. than ever block field goal at the end correct um it was kind of early in the fourth quarter but yeah, yeah. mid fourth quarter uh, yeah, 31 30 yeah is that the final score okay yes yeah, 31 they florida came down and scored and then kentrell lockett hurdled over and blocked the kick and it was yeah. right in front of us you were in the end zone right where the kick got blocked. And I, but I was so nervous at the time. I was like, you know, this isn't going to matter. They're going to come down. We are all miss moment. They're going to come down, kick a field goal and beat us. And, uh, and fourth and one, I'm thinking, oh, here comes typical Tebow. Because Tebow on that fourth and one play, it was, you knew, you knew where the ball was going. Everybody in the stadium knew where the ball was going to go. I mean, quarterback power with Tebow on the right side. And Marcus Temple stopped him for – I don't know why, because he didn't top anybody else for the rest of his career. But for that day, he made the big stop, and and fourteen-year-old uh, Cole got to celebrate that night. And Cole, you, you always have these great stories, and you know, thanks for sharing that. I mean, I feel it's like you're always able to capture these moments through, you know, your young prepubescent eyes that that, <laughs> that are just 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 so just so just you know, you know, I don't know, untapped and unmutilated by the world you're like yeah oh miss we don't suck anymore (laughs) (laughs) that's definitely how it was uh i will say though florida fans were so gracious after the game we they all came up and shook our hands said hey good game we took a picture out by the little gator uh uh 
statue outside. And um, my dad, Attorney Bird, Mr. Galloway, says, you know, if we were at LSU, I would never give my phone to somebody else. They throw it on the ground and stomp on it. So I would not give my BlackBerry to anybody at LSU. You're not lying. I, I, I literally saw a video once of it was after LSU lost to Florida one year, and this was this was around the same time period, where LSU fans took a Florida fan's car, picked it up, and physically tipped it over in yeah. the parking lot. This this was a regular occurrence, unfortunately. SEC, SEC. Uh, it just means less here. We are the opposite of it. Just means more. <laughs> it means more. That was those were the days, man. That was a fun. That was a fun season with. Uh, with the, that was the year of the Big 12 conundrum, too, if y'all remember. That was the year when Oklahoma, Texas, and Texas Tech were tied for yeah. the Big 12 championship. Uh, I forgot. That was Tech's big year. And the yeah, and they, they still haven't that. figured that thing out. Have a, have a oh. championship, you dummies. <laughs> that, was, that was a really, really, really fun year of college football. You had that. Was that the number two? Was that the year where there were a million number twos, or was that a couple years later? Might have been that year. It might. We're like might South Florida and Boston College. Oh. Like, hey, it's it's another week. Here's another random team that's number two in the country. We don't I think know that was. Why. Yeah, I think that was oh seven because that was that would have been the year that LSU got in with two losses. It was seven oh seven because LSU uh, somehow got in national championship that year. But mm, okay. What a good what a, what a good time to be alive, man! And that was the LSU national champion. They won that year, right? That was the yeah. uh, that was the Matt Flynn year. Matt Flynn and Ryan Perilou year. I, I still have that championship DVD. Let me go get it. I think, yeah, yeah, nice. I think I still have that. I think it's in my old DVD box as my cat runs up onto the <laughs> trash can. Hello, <laughs> Chloe. <laughs> By the way, how is uh, how is your cat, Paul? How is Aria? Uh she's doing all right. She's she's. She did not like the move that much at first. She has come into her own. I have these giant windows in my apartment that look out onto the street. It's a very busy street. Constantly we get, uh, there's a, the police station is like three blocks away from me. So there's police sirens a lot, emergency sirens for ambulances and fire trucks a lot. It's a busy street. And sometimes cars are going flying through it. There's motorcycles and I'm on the second floor. Now, Seattle doesn't have air conditioning in most apartment complexes. So I open the windows a whole lot. Uh, and I've been doing that for most of the spring. And when I started doing that, she was very, very scared. She does not like the outside noise. So she would hide under my couch. She would hide in my closet. And over time, she has slowly gotten used to these cars driving by. And now she is at a point where there's this tree that's right next to this street on the sidewalk that this crow family has decided to take 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 as their home and they're massive crows and and she is she has a steady stream of entertainment that she never had in texas so i'm happy for her that she has that she's actually enjoying it so long story short yes she's doing very well well that's good at least you're not cold and you have to you have a ugly dog and a hen house full of chickens in your backyard chicken how how did the dogs uh interact with the chickens Oh, thankfully the chickens are in a coop, but they, yeah, they'll bark at the coop all the time and try to, you know, <laughs> sniff into the coop and probably break into the coop Here all the time. Kids. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Uh, it's a good thing Cole doesn't live in a HOA-regulated neighborhood. It would never happen. Homeowners yeah, we'd be, we'd be screwed with all the cars in our, our neighborhood, multiple police cars parked in our neighborhood. Yeah, we would be in trouble. Oh, jeez. Right, we, save, we save our $30,000 a year as well, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> That's not that much. 30, probably $3,000. I'm not made of a number. I was going to say 30 yeah. bands? Man, you're no, saving no, no, a no, ton of money. Not, no, it's not, it's not $30,000 a year. But it's, what are you, uh, are you sure. living in River Oaks? For, I know, for like, I know, right? Good grief. If anyone doesn't know, River Oaks is an extremely, extremely bougie area in Houston. Oh, that's like the four to live there. Statement. It's like that's old wealth. Oh yeah. yeah. It's like River Oaks, uh what? Memorial. Still pretty nice. Bell Air some some parts of some it. some areas about hey, third ward's coming along. <laughs> no disrespect to third ward. Oh man. Well, Cole, hey, let, let's keep on trucking. This um I want to get a little bit more into the roster, specifically, you know, the the 08 team. It, 
it was just incredible the the amount of talent like the name brand talent that 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 was on that team especially all the talent that was able to translate to the NFL absolutely uh, I mean and only you had Tebow and Cam at, at quarterback and not to mention the coordinators that they had at the time which was Dan Mullen as offensive coordinator and Charlie Strong as defensive coordinator uh, both went on to be one really successful head coach and one quasi-successful head coach. Uh, nice way to put it. But, yeah, when we, between Percy Harvin and Lewis Murphy and Andre Caldwell, I mean, they just were stacked with speed and talent. Uh, a lot of it was from the state of Florida. And I don't know how they got all that talent all at once, but however they did it, man. It was the bad they, man. Uh, Money, probably, yes, you're well, right. I mean, the defense. Everybody you know, has money. Every, every school in the SEC has true. money. You can't put it all on that. They, 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 they distributed the wealth very well. It's uh, Carlos yes. Dunlap at, on the defensive line uh, who had a very successful NFL career. He might still be in the league. Uh, Major Wright you have as well uh, at safety. Uh, Janoris Jenkins. Yeah. I mean, coming out of the muck at a Pahokee. Uh, and that's what's Ahmad funny. Black. You see, you see a lot of the Ahmad, yeah, from Lakeland. You got oh. Lakeland Dreadnoughts. Oh, what about uh, Brandon Spikes, the Mr. Eye Gouger? Yep. We have Brandon Spikes. Got guys from his eyes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be good. That's normal. You know, we yeah. all do that. Uh, Jermaine Cunningham was on that team. You have Spikes. I'm just going through the roster. You have the Pouncey brothers, of course. Uh, let's see, guys that I recognize as I scroll through. All right, we're getting to the 70s. I mean, oh, always, Brandon James was an elite kick returner. Brandon James had some burner speed. Uh, he didn't necessarily have the, the field vision to be a, a running back, but as a kick returner, man, you – you had to kick it out of bounds. And you also had Emmanuel Moody, who became a really good running back down the road. Just loaded that running back. And then you had Percy Harvin, who you could bring up the way that Dan would use him, and he'd have him come up and take, you know, jet sweeps and such as well. Just Harvin, tons of options. Harvin is the best college football player on a team that I rooted for that I've ever watched. And I know that, obviously, people are going to, like, point from Florida and say Tebow. Like, I, I just remember how – he jumped off the screen in his first game. And it was against Central Florida. It's Central Florida. But I was blown away by how fast he was and by how good he was. And it wasn't just that he could outrun everybody. It was that he would put his shoulder into people from time to time. Not often. You saw that more with the Vikings than he did anywhere else. And considering his frame, not a very big one. I thought it was just the Adderall. <laughs> it might have been. It was the weed, apparently. I don't know if you heard him talk recently. He was he – was, he was high as hell before a lot of games in the NFL for him. Like he was just smoking pot before games and, and, and coming into them. And, and you know what? And Super Bowl 48 with the Seahawks where he has the kickoff return touchdown at halftime that iced That's the game. Right. He That's may right. have been uh, stoned in that one. And by the way, <laughs> I believe before that game, just punches Golden Tate in the face and like throws him into a trash can. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, uh, didn't he get off the team because of that, maybe? He was Allegedly. not long for the team, and I think the main reason wasn't that. The main reason was he checked himself out of a game. I think it was against the Cowboys, and then they were just like, okay, we're done. And, I mean, Pete Carroll, <laughs> who we have with us – after every single Seahawks game, we get to sit with him. Hopefully that continues this year. I don't know if it will because of COVID-19 and because of, he's the oldest coach in the NFL. I mean, he's 68 years old. It's incredible. Um, but at least uh, Zoom him. Yeah, yeah, we'll be able to Zoom him. It's, it's one thing, though, when you sit in there with, in, in person with him, he's just a really positive person. And, and, Could you and imagine that, that with Bill O'Brien? Oh, it's, uh, totally sit different. Down. it's so Ooh. different. I don't think but, that'd um, be even remotely thought of. Imagine how much you have to do to get on Carroll's bad side, you know, like almost like with Urban Meyer too. It, 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 if, if you're going to get to a point where Pete Carroll's like, all right, we've given you as much positive rah-rah enforcement as we can, we're done, man, you've, you've really messed up. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, he, he gave people every chance in the book. That's mm. kind of coach he is. Oh, yeah, I mean, like look at, look at what he was able to do at USC. He was the player's coach. Just like, hey, come one, come all. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Win that natty. Exactly what gets, he did. The, the later it gets vacated, but neither here nor there. Hey, man, it still counts. Yeah, it's going to be honest. It still no, counts. No, it does. It does. 
the one thing we've had to mention earlier was this was the time to be at Florida because not only did you win Natty in football at 06 and 08, you won the Natty in basketball in 06 and Here's 07. Here's the weird thing. I didn't like the basketball team. Really? Why well, didn't? But Why? I, didn't I don't know what it was. I wasn't a Joakim Noah fan. And it's weird because – A lot of people don't like Joakim Noah. <laughs> He's not the most beloved player. For me, I like the annoying, defensive-minded – scrappy guy that will get in your face and fight you. And that's what Joakim Noah is. And for whatever reason, I just didn't like, I didn't like Florida basketball. And I think this was because I had grown up rooting for Florida and I realized that I was going to a school that was a basketball school. And I was annoyed that Florida was better than them at basketball. Cause Syracuse, when I first went there, Syracuse was NIT my freshman year, my sophomore oh. year, they had, uh, it was, it was Johnny Flynn having a awesome. Eric, Johnny Flynn, Eric Devendorf. Yeah, Devendorf. Devendorf uh, is a questionable character. Devendorf got into a, I say, got into a situation. Devendorf just punched this woman who was roommates with my um, buddy, my my uh, <laughs> my friend with benefits uh, at the time, and I remember seeing her one day and, and, and hearing like that that had been the person that Devendorf had punched and Devendorf during He's this time. Dude. Well, here's what's happened. Like it happened during the off season and they, they suspended Devendorf for all the games against the teams that didn't matter. And then he just gets back out on the court for big East play, like nothing had missed a beat. And I mean, he was lucky that what he did happened when it did. Cause I mean, I think things would have been handled a lot differently today than it was then. And it's the same thing with that Florida. And it's the same thing with all those programs. Like a lot of stuff got left under the rug. And I think there's only so much you can do in these small college towns today compared to what you could do 10 years ago. And obviously these college towns are still ruled usually by the programs and money is going to help a lot of people look in another direction, but it's very hard, especially in the day where everyone has cell phone cameras and all that to keep all of this stuff on the DL. But anyway, I yeah, Eric Evendorf, shady character. I yeah. still think my favorite of the, of all these, you know, arrests still has to be Jermaine Cunningham getting thrown out of a Jimmy John's for yeah. throwing paper cups. I'm like, what an idiot. I mean, like, and even Jimmy John's they're, they're freaky fast. They weren't fast enough that day. That's for sure. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, anything else y'all uh, want to get to? I, th I think we hit about everything, guys. Uh, don't forget, hit up, uh, hit up Alamo Remedy for all of your CBD needs. Use promo code IJML at checkout for 10% off your order. Don't forget, check out their new hemp flowers. Also, um, uh, if you stuck around this long in the show, which is the end, and didn't God, only just One, listen, God bless you. Yeah, thank Unless you. you this yeah, especially after John had to run downstairs and uh, and uh, hardwire his internet real fast. But hey, we will be doing a giveaway. So what we need you guys to do is we're, we're going to show a little love to our guest. First of all, you need to follow Alamo Remedy on Twitter and follow Alamo Remedy on Instagram. You just make those two follows. It's nice and easy. They post really pretty photos. It's not overwhelmed by, you know, just buy our product content. They are really, really great customer service based. And they even give you free shipping if you buy enough product, which is really nice uh, bonus. But don't forget, we're going to be giving away uh, let's give away five products this episode. We're going to give away five products this episode using our code IJML. And, you know, you're going to have to follow us on Instagram. Excuse me, follow them on Instagram and Twitter. You're going to need to follow Polly G, oh, Polly Gallant, at Gallant Says. Am I correct on Twitter? Gallant Says, Twitter, Instagram. There you go. Show uh, Paul Gallant some love. Stuff too, but, yeah, those are, those are the two biggies. There you go. Show Polly G some love. 
this is this is not uh, Paul Pauly D from Jersey Shore. Uh, he does not date Snooky, nor would I think he ever. Pauly D never dated Snooky. Hey, hey, hey! Don't get it twisted. I'm a huge Jersey Shore fan. I love Pauly D. <laughs> Pauly D. Of all those people, despite the blowout hair, is the one tolerable person on that show that actually would be worthy of hanging out with. Everyone else. Sucks. Everyone else. Everyone else seems. Cr- For a while, I thought it was Vinny, but then Vinny was like, "Yeah, Vinny went down no, the drain." Vinny's a follower of Pauly. Pauly. Pauly was the guy that made the fun happen, and Vinny was essentially right. his. Let's, his let's get into this. Is Vinny the original simp? <laughs> well, who would he be the simp for? There wasn't Polly. Polly. He, 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 he's he's Polly's lapdog. <laughs> I don't. Uh, but I, I feel like with a simp, there has to be there has to well, be some Jersey Shore. I think there, there has to be some sort of sexual attraction there. Like I don't I don't think I don't think Vinny was into Polly D. Like they he wanted to like. Make out with him. He obviously loved that duck phone. (laughs) They did love everyone loved the duck phone. Oh, everyone did. I don't think Vinny's a simp. I I feel like I feel like I'm trying to think of a good simp example off the top of my head. It's a it's a term that's blown up recently. Yeah. Um, Like being a simpleton or like being someone that's uh dumbs down their their values and morals for someone, something like that. It's Uh, it's, along those lines, I guess. Oh, you mean like Urban Meyer? Would he be a simp? (laughs) <laughs> bringing it bringing a full circle huh hey. hey speaking of which he took that guy with him to ohio state too Ooh. yeah big yikes sometimes hey guys big gulps eh? and you don't get away with them at all and here you are yeah who uh what is a what is a simp in uh paul gallant's eyes a simp to me is Someone who has possibly a creepy obsession with someone that is not sexually into, into them. And I would say it's, it's one of those things where it's almost like being in the friend zone, but you're aggressively in the friend zone and you think you can break out of it. Mm. And you're going to continuously like do acts of on the internet, things that are described as white knighting where you're going to constantly ride for this person that is giving you absolutely nothing in return. Um, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to go get you Starbucks. Oh, thanks. And, and you get nothing in return. You, and you, you still, you, and, you, you, and you don't, and you can't even see it. I, I think it's like a meaner way to, to, to call someone in the friend zone. Yeah. Okay. I feel that. I, I, think, I think we can get down, down with the clown, not Juggalo Trey style. Juggalo Trey. You, were, you, you, you had your run-ins with the Jugs, didn't you? I did. I, I, I love Juggalo Trey. I'm actually going to be on his podcast next week. Are um, you kidding yes. me? Yeah. The podcast, the, the podcast uh, guest spots have, have all of a sudden started. I, I didn't really do any when I first came here, but I figured, you know oh, what? Gee, it. I, getting I'm big bored. on the internet. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I'm kind of a big deal. No, I'm just kidding. I, a I, big deal. Uh, I, I like talking to all my old H-Town peeps, but uh, yeah, Juggalo Trey, the, the only NASCAR fan I know. Um, legitimately the only one i know are you are um, you going to talk now na- is, is are you talking nascar with them what are you going to be doing i don't know i mean i'm going to be following a a much bigger deal than me john granado on that so I, i'm not sure yeah i i mean i'm i'm the i'm the guy i'm gonna have to live up to the to the previous host that's gonna be difficult oh man at least it's not a you know lance zerline gonna bust out every good story in the in the book and just mop oh, the I floor miss, i miss all those guys i miss i miss lance john and i did a tv show together too those those guys were wonderful to me especially after i got let go by 610 and um i hope they're both doing great oh yeah I, so, I, so so I, paul you, so paul you following up john granado will be like you'll be john brantley you up the Tim oh, Tebow. Yes. Oh yeah, Sh- shit. <laughs> <Fox>. <laughs> At least you won't be Felipe Franks and. Yeah, you know. so that, that's the, the the rock bottom. Just don't be Felipe Franks. Don't be Felipe. Don't be Trayon Harris. Whatever. Don't be Trayon Harris. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh man, don't pull a Jermaine Cunningham and flip out at a Jimmy Johns. Oh man, it's not worth it. Just no, it's a Jimmy good, sol- good solution. You don't go to Jimmy John's. Jimmy, yes, you don't go. Jimmy John's is for delivery. You go to yes. Jersey Mike's. That's where you go. Yes, 100%. Oh, right. wow. Uh, I don't know if I can get past that one. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to let that one slide. I, well, what, what's your, what's, what's your, what is your sandwich play? Yeah. Uh, well, it's been a while. I haven't, you know what? And I actually haven't, I don't think I've ordered out to get a sandwich since I've moved here, amazingly. Oh. Um, 
Let me think. Sandwich. I really liked Corner Bakery Cafe in Houston. Okay. Okay. Never uh, been there, but I trust your opinion. Local. The chicken pesto sandwich is pretty good. Oh, yes. Chicken pesto. It's like, it's, it's like a uh, rich person's Panera. But like way better. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's quite there, but it's, it's better than Panera. I'll agree with you. Way better than Panera. Um, Panera's trash. You know, that's a great question too. I, I, you know, with sandwiches, I generally make them myself. I used to get lunch meat. I used to get my own bread. I, I used to do that whole thing myself. Um, and I feel like I'm going to pay $10 for a sandwich when I can make one my own. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel with, uh, members like just a little bit ago, maybe about two weeks ago, I got into BLTs and I went, you know, got sourdough bread, bacon, uh, bake, okay. bake the You're bacon, right. four You're strips right. of bacon in the oven. 20 minutes at 400 degrees, baked perfectly, sliced tomato, uh, baby spinach, arugula mix, a little bit of mayo, both sides. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. And the bread probably absorbs the grease. Oh, it's, it's glorious. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. Paul's about yeah. to go make one himself. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, hey, let, let's let's put a bow on this. Uh Alamo Remedy. Don't forget, uh, follow Paul Gallant, follow Alamo Remedy on Instagram and Twitter. Follow us. Uh, you can follow me at Johnny Toblerone. You can follow Cole at Cole Miss22 yes, on the Twitter. Uh yeah, I think that's all about we got. Uh Paul, what radio station are you on the 710 Seattle? Is 710 ESPN Seattle. Yes, the home of the Seahawks and the Mariners. So, Hey, if you don't like Houston radio, go listen to Seattle radio. I'm not going to yes. tell you what to listen to because I don't have any bearing over the ratings. Neither do I care. It doesn't. I'll tell you to listen paycheck. to. Listen to Paul Gallant. That's who we're talking to listen to. There you go. Listen to yeah. Paul Gallant. Outside of Paul, we don't care who you listen to. Yeah. Make sure you listen to Paul. Yeah. Stop listening to everybody else. Just listen to me. Help me get paid. I have a cat to feed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't let her starve. Cole has a couple of chickens. I got a cat. Paul has a cat. For two weeks. We have, we have aminominals to feed. So please help us feed the aminominals. Help, uh, help, uh, help Paul buy some body armor to stay away from the chop zone. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And we love you. We love you. Peace. Peace. You guys too. Peace. Thanks, John. Thanks, Cole. Thank you. Awesome, guys. Thank fun. you. Thanks. That was fun. All right. I'm going to go hit the head. I've had to pee for like 30 minutes. Oh, man. <laughs>